family is such an important part of my life and to have another brother someone that i can depend on someone i can count on someone who's there for me and just someone to share this journey with brandon's faith and his his story the hope that his life has been and is every single day is just an inspiration to me and this man i can say with full confidence helped save my life Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we see the powerful ways that close friendships can change our lives. Actor Jeremy Miller and pediatric cardiologist Brandon Lane Phillips and viral singing sensations, The Singing Contractors. When they were just preteens, Jeremy Miller and Brandon Lane Phillips struck up a friendship that would last for decades. And at different times, they provided crucial support for each other along the way. Today, Jeremy and Brandon share how their friendship turned into brotherhood after they helped each other during difficult personal battles, which they write about together in their new book, When I Wished Upon a Star. My name is Jeremy Miller. I'm a uh, former child star. Most people remember me from being the character of Little Ben on Growing Pains. I started acting when I was about five years old and born and raised in this crazy uh, Hollywood town and lifestyle. Um, had an incredible experience on the show. I'm also a professional chef now, and I also work in recovery as well, since I've been in recovery for six years. Actually, more, I've been in recovery longer than that. Um, let me see, 2011, so almost eight years now. My name is Brandon Phillips. I am a former WISH kid um, who was born with a congenital heart defect, who grew up to become a pediatric cardiologist, and I now care for kids who are also born with heart defects. I grew up in rural Louisiana near a little town called Gina. Um, when I was born, um, my doctors initially said that I had a heart murmur when I left the hospital. Um, they told my mom that they thought I would do fine. Um, shortly thereafter, I had some testing done in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I was ultimately diagnosed with a heart condition called Tetralogy of Fallot. I underwent my first open heart surgery um, when I was two years of age at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. My parents separated on my fifth birthday. Um, so during that time, I kind of got scattered um, between two households and mostly stayed with my mom. Um, while she worked nights as a prison guard, I would stay with my grandmother on those nights. And as time went on, I grew angry with God and began questioning why he would allow me to be born defective and also come from a broken home. And that was really the catalyst for my wish to meet Jeremy. Um, the Seaver family was my idea of what an ideal family should look like. On the day that I met Brandon, I didn't have much information as to what he was going through, what his condition was like. They didn't really give us those details um, when Wish Kids came to the set. So on the day we met, it was really for me just about making sure this kid had the best day he could. Jeremy and I hung out. We had a great time. We had dinner um, with the cast together. We took a bicycle tour of the studio lot. Then I got to watch a taping of the show. Well, that night after the taping ended, Jeremy's mom had just had a new son. So Jeremy had to leave fairly quickly um, after the taping. So his co-star, Kirk Cameron, actually spent some time talking to me. Kirk wasn't who I went to meet. Kirk was a little bit older than me. And I really thought his character on the show was a bit of a troublemaker. But Kirk started talking to me about how much God loved me and had a plan for my life. 
Um, so I really left the set that evening feel that, feeling that God had orchestrated my wish as an answer to my prayer. Jeremy and I kept in touch initially after my wish. We would write letters back and forth to each other like pen pals. And we did that for a couple of years until Growing Pains went off the air. Then we kind of lost contact with each other um, throughout much of high school um, and college. We didn't reconnect until I was in medical school. I personally think one of the most interesting aspects of Brandon and my story is how our lives really went on very different paths from there. From the time I was a little kid, I had always wanted to be a doctor. I loved my pediatric cardiologist growing up, but I failed first grade. I was tested for special education in kindergarten, so I really didn't see myself as being very bright and really didn't know that I was capable of becoming a physician. Um, but after my wish, I had so much hope that I really began to try really hard in school, and I began to do really well in school. Really, my wish experience was the catalyst for that. Um, it was really kind of an amazing shift in just the way I saw life and the way I thought about things after that experience. If I could go from my little town in Louisiana to meet these people in Hollywood, then as far as I was concerned, I could do anything. Me, on the other hand, I was dealing with a lot of insecurities. I was dealing with a lot of uh, lack of confidence. Um, even being on the show and being as popular as I was, I had a lot of home issues that were going on. I had a stepfather who seemed to make it his personal life's mission to destroy every bit of self-confidence I had. He was very abusive, mentally, physically, and otherwise. Um, I basically went from being a very confident kid who was very sure of himself to a nervous wreck who had no confidence whatsoever. And my life kind of just started spiraling downward. You know, um, anxiety became my constant companion. So around the time I hit high school, um, the anxiety was getting really overpowering, really crushing, and I discovered the social lubricant aspect of alcohol. And I discovered that it made those situations tolerable. I found my confidence again and all those other things that come with it. Confidence in a bottle, as they say, a little liquid courage. And that's kind of just where I went. I, I went to culinary school and was chasing that dream as well. And, um, you know, still doing things to try and further my life, but I had to leave culinary school early to help my mom out. I just started spiraling. That really was it. I had no coping skills. I had no ability to deal with life on life's terms. And uh, I started running from God. You know, I wasn't angry at God. I was just ashamed. I knew I was doing everything wrong. And I quit going to church. I quit praying. I quit everything. You know, it just, I, I, I just ran the other direction. And it was a miserable way to live, I can tell you that. For the most part, I was a generally happy drunk. So I was able to conceal um, the extent of the problem for quite a while. Um, but there came a time where everybody started asking questions, and that was a lot earlier than I thought it was. My, my castmates were worrying about me. By the time we got back to the reunion, the second reunion film, um, everybody was pretty concerned about me by that point. When I got to the hotel on the very first night, they had a welcome basket, not the show, but my agent and some other people had sent a welcome basket that had a couple bottles of wine and a bottle of champagne. 
Nobody's fault but mine, but I popped both of those the second I saw them, polished them off, apparently called the concierge, had them scrounge up a bottle of bourbon for me, polished that off, and I missed our table read, our script reading for the show the next morning. The producers and security came banging on my door, and they had to have security open the door because I was blacked out drunk. So it was uh, humiliating and not a great start to the show, but um, I managed to get it together and I stayed predominantly sober, functionally sober for the entire shoot. I managed to not drink on set for the first three to four weeks of filming, um, but after that I started showing up with one of the giant alcoholic Slurpees they sell on every corner in New Orleans. Um, you know, I'd show up in the morning for work with the biggest one they had, and I'd nurse that throughout the day to keep me going. And then we'd head out, or I say we, I, I would head out uh, as soon as we'd get done filming and start hitting the bars. The social aspect was what really got me started with the drinking regularly. Um, but I think what really pushed me over the edge was around 21 years old. I had a lot of my childhood trauma really come rushing back. I don't know if it was all really suppressed or what, but I had a lot of the experiences with my stepfather really come rushing to the forefront. And it was some really nasty stuff that I was not um, prepared to deal with. I, I did not have the tools and like I just wanted the pain to go away. I couldn't deal with it. And numb was better than feeling. Even though I knew it was killing me, even though I knew it was horrible, it was a better option in my mind than having to actually confront what had happened. My family was terrified. My mother was convinced, you know, she was going to have to bury me. And the people who loved me, my friends, my family, my castmates, you know, were very concerned. So it was, uh, it was all starting to unravel rather quickly. There were many warning signs um, when I reconnected with Jeremy in New Orleans. After they taped in New Orleans, I would go out to their homes and stay with um, Kirk and Jeremy and spend time with them in their homes. I really still did not pick up on the fact that Jeremy was a functioning alcoholic. One day, I happened to be in New Orleans to do some work with Starlight Children's Foundation. Um, that was the organization that had granted my wish years ago, and I just called and said, hey, I'm stopping by to see you. I'll be there in five minutes. And I got there, and Jeremy was drunk when I, when I arrived, and he started hugging me and telling me how much he loved me, and that quickly turned into him crying and telling me what all he had gone through. I honestly can't say why I chose to open up to Brandon at that moment. I can only assume that his connection to my childhood and that time uh, was my prompting, I guess, for opening up to him. Soon after Brandon had come by, actually, I had already been aware of how much of a problem there was. The straw that broke the camel's back was we were in Texas. I was there with uh, my fiance and the kids for her brother's wedding. And it was a stressful time. We were there for the 10 days before the wedding, helping get set up and getting all the last minute details done. And I, of course, was drinking pretty good. 
and I had a particularly nasty blow up with my fiance, um, where I just decided I don't need to be here. I'm going to end up ruining this. I mean, it was a very moment of clarity. And I said, I, I'm going to ruin this whole thing. You know, I can't control my drinking at the moment. I need to go. I'm going to get on the plane and I'm going to go home. And that terrified my fiance because she knew if I left them that I'd probably crawl down an even bigger bottle at home. And she tried to stop me from leaving and she kind of actually physically restrained me a bit and I shrugged her off of me very forcefully and she hit the floor and hurt her hurt her wrist and that was the breaking point for me was that I had I had hurt her and I called my mom and just said please help me I need to find something because for me, the cravings were it. Those last four years when I was trying so hard to stop and I couldn't, it was all about the craving. It was not any want in my mind to continue. I did not want the alcohol. I literally would pour the liquor down my throat as I'm screaming at myself to stop in my head. I, I would drive to the liquor store and fight with myself for a half hour in the parking lot. I would walk in and walk out five different times. I would, I mean, it was, it was a horrific struggle and I was losing. <laughs> so my mom um, wrote a letter that I did not know about. I did not, um, ooh, I'm going to get a little choked up here. I did not see this letter until we uh, started putting the book together. And seeing it in, in writing um, was hard because it was, it was my mother's plea for my life. So basically, she sent it to Brandon and to my castmates, just begging them to step up and help save my life. Jeremy's family found a treatment possibility they thought might help with Jeremy's addiction issues. Jeremy's castmates, Kirk Cameron and Alan Thicke, along with Brandon, took steps toward getting Jeremy the help he needed and played a key role toward his new path toward sobriety. And the CEO told me numerous times in conversations that Brandon's call was the deciding thing. Brandon calling him and reaching out and him being a doctor made all the difference in the world. So I, I can honestly say that Brandon saved my life. I'm doing wonderful. Uh, Health-wise, I'm doing great. My sobriety is solid, um, but it's a daily, you know, it's a daily upkeep. Um, my, my family, my faith, and my recovery are the center of my life every single day. Um, that's, and that's the way it has to be for me to stay where I am and to keep all the good things I got going. Working with others in recovery is a daily thing for me, even if it's just making calls to check in on guys. Um, these days, I'm still doing my cooking, I'm auditioning. Being able to utilize all the hurts, all the problems, all the horrors that I went through in my addiction, and even growing up, to help others. Being open with that, even just in the interviews that we do, um, 
my my social media messages blow up afterwards. I have three moms on Instagram right now that I'm in regular conversation with and two of their sons have actually made it into recovery and hit their first year um, just about three weeks ago. So, and again, these are not people that I know. These are nobody that I've ever, this is just me being open with my story. And that has been able to hopefully save a couple people's lives. Um, the fact that God gives us that opportunity to take that pain and those struggles and use them for something good and give them a purpose is such a blessing. And in my mind, it makes all of it worth it. I actually first heard about um, the book Jesus Calling uh, when we were starting to do PR for our book. And um, I honestly have a couple of um, daily devotionals that are more recovery based and having something like this that I was able to add in that's more of just a spiritual foundation was really nice. For me, the way that each day's passage speaks to you in different devotionals is really kind of how God's speaking to you to me. There's so many times where I wake up and whatever I'm dealing with at that time seems to be what's being addressed in what I'm reading that morning. And for me, that's just God's guidance. I enjoy reading the daily devotionals and just spending quiet time with God is just an opportunity to thank Him for all that He's given me and an opportunity to pray that I'm a good steward of the gifts and talents that He has given me um, to be able to bless others. So this is Jesus Calling, February 7th. Come to me for rest and refreshment. The journey has been too much for you, and you are bone-weary. Do not be ashamed of your exhaustion. Instead, see it as an opportunity for me to take charge of your life. Remember that I can fit everything into a pattern for good, including the things you wish were different. Start with where you are at this point in time and space, accepting that this is where I intend you to be. You will get through today one step, one moment at a time. Your main responsibility is to remain attentive to me, letting me guide you through the many choices along your pathway. This sounds like an easy agreement, but it is not. Your desire to live in my presence goes against the grain of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Much of your weariness results from your constant battle against these opponents. However, you are on the path of my choosing, so do not give up. Hope in me, for you will again praise me for the help of my presence. I really love that one. Um, being in recovery, that one in particular, really speaks to me. God's plan, good, bad, or indifferent, as it's affecting our life at that moment, is exactly how he meant it to be. So wherever we are, whatever we're dealing with right now at this moment, is exactly perfect. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how painful, it's right where we're supposed to be at this moment for whatever reason. And that kind of thing just helped me stop asking why. You know, I don't need to know the answers. My job, I'm not in the answer business. I'm not in the results business. I'm in the footwork business. I do the footwork. I leave the results up to God. You can find Jeremy and Brandon's new book, When I Wished Upon a Star, at your favorite book retailer today. Stay tuned to hear the story behind the viral sensations, The Singing Contractors, after a brief message about how you can connect with the Jesus Calling community each week through prayer.
Did you know that Sarah Young, the author of Jesus Calling, prays for her readers each day? In that spirit, we want to extend the Jesus Calling prayer community out to you in a more personal way. Each Tuesday morning, you can dial into the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call, where the team from Jesus Calling and special guests will minister to us during a 10-minute call to reflect on that day's passage from Jesus Calling, read scripture references, and pray together for each other and our world. Prayer call times are 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central, 6 a.m. Mountain, and 5 a.m. Pacific, and are for U.S. only. For more information on the Jesus Calling weekly prayer call or to submit prayer requests, please visit jesuscalling.com slash prayer dash call. Again, to join us in this community of prayer every Tuesday morning, please visit jesuscalling.com slash prayer dash call. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Josh Arnett and Aaron Gray are contractors that grew up in the same community in Indiana. They would never have guessed they would work together, let alone sing together. Often, they would harmonize to tunes while they worked on a job. On a whim, they decided to record one of those songs, How Great Thou Art. Much to their surprise, the video they posted on Facebook would go viral with over 100 million views and would open the doors for them to perform on stages around the country together and be offered a recording contract. Well, my name is Josh Arnett, and I'm one of the singing contractors. I'm a contractor by day and a singer by night. At least I try to. <laughs> and my name's Aaron Gray, and uh, I'm the other half of the singing contractors. And uh, I work by day and, and sing by night when the opportunity arises. <laughs> we actually kind of knew each other uh, from a distance as we was kids. And... Uh, knew each other from different uh, church functions and, and camps and and probably so we, about the age of 13 yeah we knew. 12 13 yeah, years old around that age and yeah I mean we we kind of knew each other from then and and then we uh, of course everybody gets old but we got a little older and married two ladies that were friends and uh, and then we kind of started hanging out yeah. every now and then. Still didn't like each other at that point. But when you're <laughs> bored, you got to do something. <laughs> but so, but that's uh, kind of how our relationship 
was. You know, we'd, mm-hmm. we'd meet and we'd hang out. And uh, that's how we met. And then, and it kind of always involved going out to eat. Didn't it, it? it always does. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty different, aren't we? <clears throat> we are. I'm, I'm a kind of basically a redneck. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I love the country. I uh, I have chickens. I have. I love the simple life. I love cooking over a fire, which you like that stuff I do too, too. You know, but uh, and I'm like a guy that likes sports. I like playing golf. I'm not that good at it. Like riding a motorcycle, but so we're a little bit different, but we're just two regular guys. Yeah. My mom started making me sing, I think it was around 10, 10 or uh, 11 years old, and uh, pretty quickly was made to learn how to sing a harmony part. So I, and once they found out I could, I could sing, I I don't know how I got roped into it, but I always was on the high part. <laughs> and they pushed me to my utter limits for so long, you know, and so. And I do remember that. I thought at some point, he's not gonna be able to sing that high because it's just too high. But it, that point never came, it's still there. <laughs> and oh, for me, man. I was sent to a Christian school and, and the, the, the thing that they did was everybody sang in choir. I didn't even know really how to sing until probably about 16 years old. And I just joined choir, and I fell in love with it, and just started singing from there. And you but, know, it's kind of amazing. Uh, I heard you say the other day that your dad said that uh, there's a joke, a little word, because you said, with your own words, that you didn't, you couldn't carry I, a tune, a tune in a bucket. And that actually made fun of that's me. That's actually you know? amazing because most people that start out that way finish that way, <laughs> and so it's kind of amazing that God allowed you to to learn how to hear hear I'm, the music and and yeah. be able to sing on tune that's amazing well i mean it all started probably six or seven years ago when we <clears throat> we literally did not know each other had was going to end up working for the same contractor and which means we are subbing under a guy that we both knew and i pull up to the job he pulls up and we're like what are you doing here, dude? (laughs) I don't know. What are you doing here? You know? And kind of from that point on, we would occasionally work together, um, get on the same big jobs or something. And when the boss would leave, uh, we would would start cutting up (laughs) and we would, hey man, crank up a tune because we knew each other could sing. And uh, we would start singing and man, some of the guys that we would be working with they look at us like we were idiots. I know, you know? always. And we still get that look. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of how it happened. It was all by just accident. And of course, I say accident, but I think God had the plan yeah. all written out, you know, but we thought it was by accident, didn't we? Yeah, it? we did. Josh and Aaron could not have predicted that their workday sing-alongs set to hymns and gospel songs would receive so much attention, starting with that simple video of the song, How Great Thou Art, recorded on a phone at one of their job sites, and ultimately leading to the recording of their very first album called Working on a Building. Well, in the song Working on Building, I think it it speaks to us because I think we're still under construction, aren't we? He is still working on us, like that little song we used to sing 
in Sunday school. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Yeah. And, and working on a building is is just simply that. Uh, everything that we kind of touch on a daily basis, we we take it from the start and we finish it. And I think we're we're in the middle somewhere. We may be past the middle, but God is still working on us. And we're we're unqualified, like Moses. Oh yeah, uh, Moses had a what, what was it a uh, well he, stuttering problem? Yeah, or? he told Jesus, you know, he said, "There's no way I can do this," and uh, I'm I'm just not even qualified. But what did Jesus do? He he equipped the unequipped. Yeah, and that's I th- I feel like that's what he's doing with us. We're unequipped, but he's he's helping us every step we yeah. take. Right after How Great Thou Art went viral, a few weeks went by and got a message. And I looked it up, and it was, we had tons of messages. And so many that we couldn't even respond to all of them. But this one lady said, she said, I just, she started out by saying, I want to thank you for saving my life. I was like, man, you know, we, we can't save anybody's life. Yeah. And literally dropping the tool belts where we stood and actually worked. It wasn't a made-up place. It was actually the job. Dropping it and saying, let's do this tune. We recorded that thing one time. We had no idea what it would do. And uh, still staggering, within 32 hours, I had a million views. And and that that means a lot. But saying all that to say this, what we like most about it is that people are hearing the message of encouragement and the gospel through a simple song, through a couple of simple guys. And uh, we're... We're thrilled that we have the opportunity to still do it. But she went on to say that she had pulled the blinds in her house and she had all the pills laid out and she was ready to take pills and totally was going to end her life. And she said, I thought, I'm going to get on Facebook one last time. And she said that literally when she opened her phone, our song, How Great to Heart, came on and she looked at us and she played that song and she uh, something spoke to her she yeah. said and she said that her husband her marriage was broken and uh, she said that something spoke to her and she said she did not do it and she said I am just blown away that now I'm back in church God has put my marriage back together and I'm totally doing good and occasionally she responds to us still to this day yeah. and lets us know that things are doing really good. And that is just that just blew our minds that God would take something so simple and, and to use it to save somebody's life. And so And how many other wow. stories are there that maybe didn't message yeah. in? Um but I, I know there's plenty of people the comments will read them and you can't really respond to all of them, but that's what keeps us going is when we know that something as little as what we're doing can encourage somebody else. That encourages us to keep going and to keep pressing on. And that's why we do it. And to the one out there that may seem like, what can I do for you, God? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally unequipped. I say, bloom where your seed is planted yeah. and do, what, do anything. It don't matter what it is. Just uplift his name, and I guarantee you that he'll use you. Guarantee that. I would say the best encourager is turning to God. 
Because the more time that you spend with Him, the more time you turn to Him, things in your life always fall into place. And the less time that you spend with Him, this seems like everything falls out of place. And He is the number one encourager. And I would say also finding a good friend that you can talk to and confide in as well. And um, I know that I have a good friend in Him, and, and I confide and, and talk to Him. And But the ultimate friend and the ultimate encourager is Jesus Himself. Amen. Josh and Aaron have seen what God can do with two seemingly ordinary guys to empower them to bring His love and transformation into the lives of others, which Josh reads about in the April 13th entry of Jesus Calling. When I give you no special guidance, stay where you are. Concentrate on doing your everyday task in awareness of my presence with you. The joy of my presence will shine on you as you do everything for me. Thus, you invite me into every aspect of your life. Through collaborating with me in all things, you allow my life to merge with yours. This is the secret of not only joyful living, but of victorious living. I designed you to depend on me moment by moment, recognizing that apart from me, you can do nothing. Be thankful for quiet days when nothing special seems to be happening. Instead of being bored by lack of action, use times of routine to seek my face. Although this is an invisible transaction, it speaks volumes in spiritual realms. Moreover, you are richly blessed when you walk trustingly with me through the routines of your day. And how does this passage resonate with you? It actually blows my mind because we had, we've actually been, we've faced so many of times where we needed that right there. Yeah. Because we get, sometimes we get discouraged in the moments when things aren't happening. Yeah. And it seems like there's been times, man, we've, God, do you even want us to do it anymore? Should we just shut down and do a video every now and then? And I'm, I'm not joking. Every time yeah. God opens another door that seems impossible. I mean, we can't even believe the journey. I don't know why I'm crying so much today, but it's That's just right. hitting home. And uh, uh, I read the scripture this morning on Jesus calling was like, I'm with you step by step. Yeah. And man, I said earlier, I said, it's almost like this book. Somebody has a video on you because every time you open it up, there's something that is for that very moment that it's like, man, I needed that. Right. And so, wow, it, and that, you, that was awesome. And you feel like with this book, if you skip a day, it lets you know it because it's on paper and <laughs> yeah. it's right there. Yeah. And it does seem like it fits exactly the moment that you're going through. And I just love it because it speaks to me, and um, I just want to be faithful to Him and, and spend more time reading and, and more time praying with Him because, like I said before, more time with Him is less time with everything else, and that, that is really, truly what it's about. And what I like about it is when the speaking, I am yeah. with you, seek me, I will be with you today. And, and it's actually like, it feels like Jesus is actually speaking. Well, it's to like him. a phone call from him. It is. <laughs> He's calling. <laughs> when tools, beards, and Jesus and our music collide, I think at the end of the day, 
it's all fun to talk about the the beards and the tools and everything but at the end of the day we just want to uplift Jesus name yeah because he is everything and we cannot go through life without him and there may be days that we we wander off from him but i'm so thankful that he's always there waiting on mm-hmm. us and he always loves us so much that we can come to him no matter what we've done, we can come to him and he's there waiting on yeah. us. That's amazing. That's a love that I can't, already, can't even understand. To find out where the singing contractors are performing near you, along with information about their new album and live performance DVD called Working on a Building, visit thesingingcontractors.com. If you'd like to hear more stories about creating deeper connections with others, check out our interview with worship leader Darlene Sheck. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with commercial airline pilot Captain Tammy Jo Schultz. In April 2018, Captain Schultz was flying Southwest Flight 1380 when the left engine of the plane blew apart. She safely guided the plane down with one engine and made a successful emergency landing. But in the midst of the chaos, Tammy Jo realized she had something else she needed to take care of, the hope of her passengers. I pushed my PA button and made a PA that said, it wasn't my most elegant PA, but it was that we're not going down, we're going into Philly. Because I wanted to know that the cockpit was still in control of the airplane, we had a plan, and we had a destination. And it was a takeaway for me that that element of hope had such a change on people and their actions and their reactions. It didn't change our circumstances. Hope doesn't have to change our circumstances to change us. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel, on IGTV, or on JesusCalling.com video.